This episode of Truth's Table is brought to you by Dwell Audio Bible App. Dwell's mission is to help you get in the Word and stay in the Word. Visit dwellapp.io slash truthstable to get 10% off a yearly subscription or 33% off Dwell for Life. Hey y'all, welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, see How you doing, girl? Girl, I'm doing all right. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I have, I have thought, thoughts, feelings, and concerns. <laughs> per usual. <laughs> per usual. Per usual. I also have joy. Joy, joy has me. So hey, we're going to be all right. right. Come on. Come we gonna on. We're going to be all right. Yes. How, how are you doing, E? I'm good. It's snowing, but you know, oh, as long yeah. as it's snowing out there, mm-hmm. I'm good. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> glad to be here. Glad to see you. Yes. Glad to see you. Yes, 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 yes. We're yes, trying yes. something new, y'all. We're we trying. Have the, we have the visuals. We're trying. That's why y'all <laughs> need to be on our Patreon so you can see us. We're trying. <laughs> so, <laughs> There's there's so much that the people miss in facial expressions, I think. This is true. This is true. This is why we're like, let's bring up the video. Let's see if we could do this. Let's see how long we can do this for season five. So we're going to find out. Um, Well, y'all, M is not at the table, which means y'all know we got a special guest at the table. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Um, And okay, first of all, our topic is the Black Exodus from the SBC. And we have our friend yes 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 the reverend dr charlie edward dates at the table hey charlie how you doing listen i've I've been smiling from ear to ear since we came on because i'm just happy to see y'all talking uh, to each other and and doing what you do so i'm well i'm just really grateful to be on this platform with both of you thank you for inviting me to be with you today we are happy to be to yeah. have you with us. Happy to have you, brother pastor. Thank you. We enjoy having some bass at the table from time to time. Oh, yeah. well, you, know, <laughs> so. you know, as an avid listener of, of Truth's Table, I'm, I can't wait till this episode airs so I can hear my bass <laughs> in, in the car <laughs> on an otherwise higher pitched uh, there you go. podcast. <laughs> there you go. Well, hey, look, just in case, let me tell the sisters at the table who... Dr. Charlie Edward Dates is just in case they don't know. So back in 2011, at the tender age of 30, that's my addition. <laughs> <laughs> Look, 30 feel real, real young right yeah, now. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm just saying. We, and we, I had we, just turned 30, right? So okay, any, anyway, but yeah. That's yeah, yeah okay, yeah, so yeah, Tenda yeah. just turned 30. Yeah. Dr. Charlie Edward Dates became the youngest <laughs> senior pastor at Chicago's Progressive Baptist Church, a church celebrating a distinctive 100-year history. He earned the Bachelor's of Arts degree in speech communication and rhetoric at the University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign and both the Masters of Divinity and PhD at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Deerfield, Illinois. Dr. Dates' preaching and publications have been featured broadly through the United States. He is widely invited to preach at churches, conferences, and universities. In addition to his pastoral responsibilities at Progressive, Pastor Charlie serves as an affiliate professor at Trinity Evangelical 
Divinity School and on a number of boards for Christian organizations, including Preaching Magazine and Together Chicago. He is a contributing author to the 2014 book, Letters to a Birmingham Jail, and his 2019 book, Say It, celebrating expository preaching in the African-American tradition, and his first solo book on the subject of Christianity and social justice. It's forthcoming. It's coming. It's late, but it's coming. It's forthcoming in the name. We're going to speak those things that be not as though they were. We're going to trust God. Okay. (laughs) And for reasons that pleases him, uh, God has blessed uh, Progressive Church to grow deep and wide under Pastor Charlie's leadership. And Pastor Charlie is married to Kirsty Dates and Uh, is the proud father of their children, Charlie Edwards Dates II and Claire Elizabeth Dates. Welcome to the table, Dr. Dates, Pastor Charlie, our homie and friend. Hey, we are happy to have you. Hey, this is this is a preacher right here. This is oh, a preacher. So so I know that we the people are trying to figure out what to do with their virtual life on Sunday mornings. I I tend to virtually swing by thank Chicago you wow. to, to, to get a to get a word that'll make me stand up at my at my dining room table. Praise so uh, just want to throw that out there. Give you another Absolutely. plug. If you need somebody else listening, no, signify. we love it. We love it. <laughs> you know, I'll be honest with you. I wholeheartedly believe that. Mm-hmm. The black Christian pulpit is, has been, and will be the salvation of American Christianity. Absolutely. Um, obviously, Jesus Absolutely. saved us. So, no, I mean, we don't Amen. have to get in it. But Amen. what I mean is mm-hmm. gifting us the theological tools uh, to process where in the world we are and where we're going. So, um, I, I welcome anybody who wants to watch uh, at our Progressive Chicago stuff. Awesome. Awesome. So, I got, so let's just come on out the gate. Yeah. So as you know, as you know, there's there's been some things happening as it relates to the to SBC, Southern Baptist Convention, the the largest denomination in the United States with a um, complex and salacious history. Mm. And, um, <laughs> and and yet I know a number of African-American men, men who I respect, who have prayed for me, um, men who I honor the, the ministry that that is in them that have been affiliated with the SBC. And I know that you have been at one point, and I just wanted to hear about kind of your journey. Yeah. Because um, because you for real, for real Black church. Yeah. So so, so, so talk to us about, <laughs> about your journey to the SBC. Yeah. Why the heck would a Black man like me and a church like ours migrate into an institution with such a salacious and complex uh, history? Well, uh, first of all, let me say, let me give a disclaimer. I'm not smart enough to hang with Akimini or Dr. Christina Edmondson. And that's not hyperbole. It's the truth. So pardon my uh, elementary explanations behind uh, my thoughts. Number one, Christina, you might remember this. Kirstie and I sat at a table with you and Micah in Memphis in April of 2018, backroom conversations at the MLK 50 conference. And it was a mixed lot. I mean, that room had some interesting people in there. And at that time, uh, our church was not part of the SBC. So unlike, say, some of the other people you're talking to, Dr. Ralph Douglas West and uh, Dr. Dwight McKissick, we are not long-termers. Our church is a charter church of the Progressive National Baptist Convention, which is has been the denominational home of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., 
Dr. Gardner, Calvin Taylor, uh, Martha Simmons, uh, so, so many other laudable, notable voices, or at least I first met Martha Simmons at the convention. So um, we broke away from historically, our church broke away from the National Baptist Convention when it failed to give Dr. King and Ralph Abernathy a platform to lead the nation in civil rights. So that's the storyline of our denomination. And we have been singularly progressive National Baptist Convention up until I asked our church to make the move. So here's why. I fundamentally uh, believe in denominational help and structure. I'll be honest with you. Uh, unlike a lot of our peers and people younger than us who see no use for them, I actually think the accountability, the networking, um, and for some in like some of our more uh, ecclesiologically structured denominations like the AME, they have hierarchies and that kind of thing. We, we don't have that. But I just believe in that kind of kingdom approach to the work of the church so that when somebody comes to our local church, it's not like we just appear out of thin air. You know, we we stand in solidarity with other churches. Yeah. Now, that being said, mm -hmm. a number of the progressive National Baptist churches are duly affiliated. That means that they are not only members of PNBC, but they're members of other networks and other denominations. So it's not uncommon um, for a church in a denomination like ours to share dual affiliation. I'll push it even further. It's not uncommon for a church like ours to be duly affiliated with the predominantly white denomination. So be it Converge um, or, or be it the EFCA or Acts 29 or some of the others and, and be it SBC. There are a number of black churches who are duly affiliated. You back up even further, you see that uh, pastors like Dr. Ralph West, uh, Dwight McKissick, and Dr. Joe Ratliff down in Houston, Texas, uh, and so many others who were stalwart, strong voices in their own communities and around the country were also specifically duly aligned with the SBC. So I saw no kind of, knowing the history, the racialized history of the SBC, I saw no kind of selling out, so to speak, by linking up with them because I'm, I'm tethered to a lineage of pastors and churches that are rightfully preaching the gospel from a, a black hermeneutic, if you will, and pushing into their communities on matters of justice who are already there. All right. So I just want to say that that kind of barricade of safety was there. Nonetheless, I was suspicious. And I feel like Dave Chappelle almost pull back my Dave Chappelle anointing. I, <laughs> I I was suspicious and 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 I was like, man, these people, they don't believe in black people. So hence hence we go back to 2018 <laughs> when they don't believe uh, in black Kirsten and look, I look, were look, sitting. Look, look, Bush, look, Bush don't like black people. Remember? Oh man, no, I, listen, <laughs> listen. <laughs> oh, the the ways we could take that. Uh, so um, I I was like. Kirstie, this is before I was going, Kirstie was not coming to that conference with me, Christina. I, she decided two days before that she would get a ticket and, and fly with me. And she told me because she wanted to come because she felt like in my preparation, she hadn't seen me as antsy in this regard in any other uh, thing that I was preparing for. And so this is, this is a back behind mm. the scenes view as to why we move in. Because I'm thinking what I got on this piece of paper will get me run out of this convention hall. 
And so I'm passing it around to people around the nation, like, read this, because I don't know what to expect. I've never been to one of these things, but this is about Dr. King and they asked me to come. So they must want to hear. So when we got there, I was shocked. I was shocked to see the number of young people and the number of young white people who I felt like were far more receptive than the traditional older look of the Southern Baptist Convention that I was anticipating. And so then I got up there and and God gave me grace and I got to say very freely what what I felt like needed to be said. And I wasn't run out. And so behind the scenes was a different story. But but at least in that main convention hall, I wasn't run out. So I said to Kirstie, you know, this might actually be a there might actually be a turning point. Not that it had turned, but that with these younger people, this might actually be moving Mm-hmm, in a different mm-hmm, direction. Mm-hmm. So you got JD Greer. Yeah, yeah. And and you got a you got Dr. Matt Hall down down in Southern Seminary. He's just got a lot of different voices that I say to her, I think now for the sake of partnership and for the the sake of building out some of the ministry we want to do and we align missiologically. I I think this this would be a prophetic move for our church. But because we are church who said once we wanted nothing to do with these people. And and so now I would be kind of turning in on my own people saying, all right, let's carry this witness forward. And man, did they tell me, pastor, we with you, but them people still don't like us. And, and they still do not understand the black church. And they told Dr. King, he was in sin. And I'm like, wait, but wait, like we just stopped for a moment to celebrate him. So we we're clear that they are not further along as to where they should be. But I'm just like, guys, I sense that things mm. are going to get better. Mm. That's why, in a nutshell, I asked our church to move in. Wow. So thank you. Thank you for sharing, you know, all the layers, the story and the story under the story. And I, and I, and I have to say this, that when there is a turning, when there is progression, there act, regression comes. So I would affirm your your kind of instincts of sensing that there were people who in sincerity by the work of the Holy Ghost um, were, were, were and are maybe shifting. Yeah. But it's about who holds the power, right? When exactly. you think about an organization. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And so I, you know, I don't, you hit the nail on the head. I don't want to mm-hmm. carry us too far, but the people who I have been encountering do not hold the power. The the titular head of the SBC, in my opinion, is also the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary Mm -hmm. and voices like his who are still over these entities are really some of the leading voices. And and then there are others who are sympathetic with that voice, uh, who who then, to your point of regression, are holding the line and, and are saying, aha, gotcha. You thought. (laughs) <laughs> you know, this was going to be this way, but going to show you now that ain't really where that ain't where, mm-hmm. where we're willing to go. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, thank you so much for that, because uh, I, that context is really important. I, I was not at that conference because uh, I was like, I ain't going to that conference. But, <laughs> but <laughs> I heard. I, I, I'm so glad I went, though. I think there, I would think I think there were some things in a spiritual stand from a spiritual standpoint that happened. But I get what you're I get what you're saying, E. But um, there's 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 this tension about what things ought to be and what they ain't. Yeah. And I think E is speaking to like I know it ain't. And I'm like we are like Amen. You're right. right. 
but there's still for some of us a yearning for what it ought to be. Yeah. And um, something happened there though, Dr. Mm-hmm. Christina. And he, I, if I'm not, I'd be, I'd be lying if I were to tell you that it was an about face. I still think the work that the, the spirit <laughs> of God that happened there right. is cataclysmic Yeah. for, for them. And I think even for our nation. So I affirm what you're saying, Dr. Mm-hmm. Christina. I, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I, I mean, I remember your uh, your sermon. It was so powerful, absolutely powerful. And so it, to- it totally makes sense to me where you're like, well, dang, if they're actually receiving this, then it seems like it would be safe. And you also had, um, you know, some uh, respected peers and elders in the faith that you're like, all right, it seems like I got some some safeguards here. <laughs> um, it seems like it's safe uh, to go in. I think I found it very interesting, though, um, Pastor Charlie, that you said uh, Kirsty at first was not going to go uh, yes. to the conference, but she, you know, she yeah. turned around as, as she saw that you were anxious. And so yeah. in some ways it made me think about the black woman and the sisters at the table. Right. And the the cost they have to pay to enter into those spaces. Oh my. Right. Uh, because of intersectionality. Yes. And so I'm I'm wondering from you. um, why it is, why was critical, why was the SBC stance on critical race theory? Why was that the line? Um, and, uh, and not necessarily their view on women and women's roles in the church. Can you yes. speak to that for us? Cause I know I hear the sisters. No, absolutely. They're going to they get me yeah. if I don't ask that no. question. And, <laughs> no, and, that's, I, and that's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> and I hear them too. And I've been wanting to answer this question. Mm, okay. So a, a few things. Let's talk about intersectionality for a moment, um, because it's not just critical race theory. It It is. I'm raised by a single black mother who went home to be with the Lord last year. And and by the power of God, she raised me and my older brothers without the help of our fathers. So um, seeing mom love the Lord, raise us in truth, drag us to church, believe in us, cart me around in my preaching engagements, um, really disciple me in the faith um, and and then hand off to me this heritage and say, now you go with your kids and be sure that the next generation does better than I did, you know, than you all did with me, um, has, has for me given me the highest view of Black women in the world. My mom is not only Black, she's a woman, was not only Black, she's a woman. That's intersectionality. It, it is to, in one sense, in this case, to be oppressed twice. So I, for me, the notion of dismissing categories and frameworks that are helpful for us to attack systems of injustice, and particularly systems of injustice against Black women, is itself a deal breaker. It's not just critical race. It's also the intersectionality because it draws a line for how pastors are trained and how preachers are trained who will lead churches and cities where they will face these issues. So I do want to suggest or not suggest, I want to say forthright that it is the black women issue for me as much as it is the critical race theory that didn't come out in my, uh, in my treatment, but it's partly there. Now, let me back up even further. Uh, both of you have been invited to our church and I hope will come again. And amen. And, and not to, <laughs> yes. Amen. And, and not to speak from the floor, but to speak from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. Uh, ours is a ministry that affirms women, mm-hmm. hands down. Um, and it, Christina, the week you were here, Beth Moore was, it's almost a year now, but Beth Moore was with us. And our, you could see our church celebrate 
uh, Beth and her ministry. And that's progressive legacy before I got here. So I, I don't want to make it seem like I came and gave that to progressive. No, this is this is the way this church has been. And in some of the other uh, guests you will have uh, on the show, their churches do the same. Mm. So it's not uncommon in one sense to be a part or affiliated with an organization that does not fully embrace the scope of what you embrace. Mm-hmm. Um, you, None of us, actually, I don't have a denomination that I know of where I fit perfectly right. in all of the boxes right. or the, the schemes. Right. I, I think what you'd have to say to all of the sisters who are rightfully concerned, who would say, well, why is racism a deal breaker, but the ministry of women is not, you'd have to look at our church and you'd have to say, okay, well now at this church, Women are some of the highest paid people at this church. At, at this church, you regularly see the influence of women in the life of the church and in the decision making of the church. Now, are we there where we should be? No, I don't want to paint it as a Mecca, but are we are we getting there? Absolutely. Well, and let me back up to say, it, has this church treated its pastor now and other pastors to the level where they should have? No. So we're all in progress. It's, <laughs> it's not just the women. It's it's also the men. We're we're all in this, this work of sanctification and growing in grace. And, and so I personally, from my orientation, have a hard line drawn on how women are treated, mm-hmm. period, point blank. And, and have I developed further and matured? Absolutely. I don't want to come across this. Since childhood, I, I had this thing right. No, right, I'm- right getting it better. Amen. And and I'm I'm getting it and make up a word, righter than than I have had it uh before. But we have yet to create or to see the tables denominationally um where all people should be affirmed and are affirmed in the way that they should be affirmed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's great. Thank you so much. Cause um, I know our sisters was like, y'all better yes. ask this, <laughs> you know, and I, and I had the honor of preaching at your church virtually yes. <laughs> because of yeah, COVID. Yeah. And so, Thank yeah, I, I'm grateful for that. I'm I'm really grateful for that. So, and we, we are, we're always growing, we're changing, you know, um, and we're being sanctified and, you know, what we believe now we don't, you know, maybe we don't hold to, yeah. What we held to two years ago or three years ago. I know that's true for me as well. So, and, yeah. and I think you know, if if you were to look at the books at our church too, so this is a, this is giving you a bit more detail than what people deserve. Um, when women come to Progressive, they are treated like rock stars to the best of our ability. Um, we're not going. We don't downgrade the hospitality and the generosity and all of that. Yeah. No. If anything, um, is is gonna be you gonna say, listen, I really enjoy preaching for Charlie Dates and Progressive. I'm I'm going back. Baby, I could testify. So we the we hospitality is five stars. <laughs> five stars. Amen. Time ten. Um, <laughs> you. But and I think the point that you're raising about how we, we, none of us neatly fit within denomination and theological traditions. And I think um, 
And, and that speaks to, you know, the Catholicity of the church. Like, mm-hmm. don't nobody got it all right. We need mm-hmm. the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need the Lord. Yes. Um, and that a part of our sanctification is that the Lord is generously opening our eyes to see. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that when we see more, we actually become more, quote unquote, progressive or conservative. Right. But we become more holy. Yes. And and I think oh. it's just and I think it's just important that we know that sanctification doesn't mean that we start to shift things. Yes. <laughs> that we shift in a particular direction of conservative yes. or progressive. But that we oh, shift yeah. Jesus. And I just wanted to throw that out there because I think particularly in the midst of so much disappointment and hurt and abuse, there is a great temptation to throw the the baby out with the back. Absolutely. Yes. For for many people who are just like, I'm just done with all of it. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. By the work of the Holy Spirit, we discern. We discern. You know, yes. what 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 we still what we still take in and what we still don't take in. So so, Char- so Char- before even even on that note, I mean sanctification is progressive, mm-hmm. but it is not linear. Right. Okay. So I, th- I think we gotta remember that we fall down, we yeah. get up, you know, but it's yeah. not and not progressive. I'm not talking about in the political sense or even a theologically, right. you know, um, theological sense, but it is yeah. progressive. We are going right. from glory to glory, but it ain't yeah, linear. And, and sanctification is not parallel either. So mm-hmm. as one person moves, it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody else charts the same kind of path of progression. Hey, y'all. Now, you know, we take the Bible seriously here at Truth's Table. Did you know that Dwell Audio Bible app is a preferred audio Bible for people who want to get in the Word and stay in the Word? With several inspiring voices, Bible translations, and original background music, you're going to love listening to Scripture. They have listening plans to help you to start a daily habit of engaging with God through one of Dwell's many Bible listening plans. They even have a sleep timer so you and your family can fall asleep to your favorite books and stories of the Bible without losing your spot or draining your battery. End your day with God's word in your ears and on your hearts. You can make dwell your very own. In the For You section, you can see your favorites, your plans, your downloads, your recent listens, and more. Dwell is for you. Truth Table listeners can get started with Dwell by going to dwellapp.io slash truthstable to get 10% off of a yearly subscription or 33% off of Dwell for life, y'all, for life. 33% off means that you'll save $50. So make sure you visit dwellapp.io slash truthstable to commit to scripture for the rest of the year and for your life. See, you know what I'm grateful for? Girl, what you grateful for? I am grateful for our Patreon supporters, girl. Oh, for sure. For sure. We could not do the work of Truth Table without our Patreon supporters. Tell so the we, truth. We want to thank y'all because without your dollars, we wouldn't be able to pay our producers. Our now video editor, because y'all know you can get some video content from Truth Table now. We, we try to step it up. Hello, Patreon I people. I mean, come on. And we couldn't pay our teachers that come and teach our um, Black Women Discipleship Group. So we want to thank y'all for being Patreon supporters. So many things we're able to do because you decided to partner with us. And we just want to thank you, thank you, thank you for rolling with us since the beginning. And invite you all that are listening at the table or standing room only to come on and participate in the work that we're doing by becoming a Patreon sponsor. Yes, for as little as $5 a month. That is less than Starbucks coffee. It's less than DoorDash. It's less than Uber Eats. Come on now. You can support. We know about these things personally. We know about these things. (laughs) COVID-19, COVID-19. 
Uh, we, we're speaking from a personal place. Yes, yes, yes. Testify. <laughs> so for as little as $5 a month, y'all can support the work of Truth's Table and just keep this table going, sustain our work. This is a labor of love and we are so grateful to be at this table. So our standing room section folk, come on and support us. Our sisters at the table, come Ooh. on and support our work at patreon.com slash truthstable. So Pastor Charlie, Pastor yes. Charlie. So I, you know, I, I have, I have, I have heard. Although I do, I will admit, have a, a finely curated social media experience at this point. So, <laughs> but, but I, although I do, although I do teach against echo chambers. Don't worry, y'all. I, I do hear about all kinds of views and beliefs from data. <laughs> My social media needs to be a kind experience for me, but yeah. from data is where qualitative studies is where I hear about varying views. Um, but, uh, but, 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 you know, we're on the social media street, right? We, we know that these things can get really ugly out there. Oh, and yeah. what I saw over the last several months, particularly uh, as it relates to the SBC, and I don't want to speak about them as if there's nobody in it who has a different opinion, right? right. But, um, so I admit that I'm generalizing right now, but the, the attack, the vitriol, vitriol, the the allegations of of a lack of orthodoxy, all yeah. of these things, right? Um, that for me played out um, kind of as a cover of of racism. That's what I would say. Oh, um, yeah. But so, and, and then that that is that's bruising, that's that's wounding, that's frustrating, and I think for some of us that would be embittering. Yeah. And so, my question to you is, uh, how do you deal with bitterness because you did take a risk and relationship and connection is always a risk. It's always, there are no guarantees in connection. Right. Um, um, So talk to, talk to us about how you manage that. First of all, I just want to say, I'd like to hear you talk, Dr. Christina. She said, I admit that I am generalizing at this point and, and, and drawing fine nuances that, yeah. yes, you know. I'm like, save your letters, save yes. your letters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time. <laughs> um, so let me say this. The, the bulk of the response has been rather positive. I don't get invited to the blogs where my name is being bashed by and part. And I, I know they exist. I mean, I've seen a couple of them. Uh, but to have to embrace a prophetic ministry, to be given one, all right, not to go looking for it, that I certainly didn't look for it, but to be given one is to at the same time run the risk of loneliness and, and to live in a corner. When you look at the last 18 months of Dr. King's life, he's one of the most celebrated figures of the then known world. I mean, he's given the Nobel Prize. Uh, he has entree to the White House. Uh, he is loved on in many circles, but the last 18 months, when he pulled away from the war in Vietnam, we start talking about militarism and a, a dangerous capitalism and racism. Even the NAACP pulled away from him. And, and even uh, some of the larger voices within Black America and white money pulled away from him and he paid a dear price. So I recognize that, that there is a price to be paid for telling the truth and telling it truthfully. And for, for me, by the grace of God thus far, there are those even high-ranking leaders within the SBC who I spoke with directly who said, man, we understand. That's not everybody's call. Everybody doesn't hear that. 
but that meant something to me because the relationships is to your point, Christina, is one where I did not want to be misunderstood. As when people have been kind to you, you do not want to return their kindness with with anger and bitterness. So I, I was careful to name names, but because I wanted people to know um, this is a problem in this particular space and there. And so let's do the social media piece just a bit further and then get to the bitterness part. Um, my mother, who is with the Lord, raised my brothers and I to live by principle and to be men of character. All right. So not just simply going with the wind, but just truth matters, e even when it hurts and it creates frustration. So I have I tend not to engage people on social media in ways that are argumentative because it just you go on and on and on. But I have had to stand up to some people and to say, now, listen, um, let's be clear. You talking to a man from the south side of Chicago who has been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. But let's not forget now uh, that I know how to draw lines and how to point on which side of the line you stand. So I do that from time to time. And actually, to be honest with you, Dr. Christina and the Kimini, that keeps me from being bitter. It, it may not it may not get me invited certain places, but I don't <laughs> do what I do to get invited. No way. Amen. And, and some of some of what I have yeah. to say, if it offends you to the point where you won't invite me, then you're doing me a favor. Right. Like, so, so I'm cool with all of that. So people are like, right. why did you say so and so? Because it needed to be said. Oh, yeah. It needed to be yeah. said. So I have found grace to be both invisible and tangible. I, I have found grace to be something that I hear and something that I feel. Mm. So, in this regard, God is, God, it has pleased God to withhold from me the knowledge as to why I'm born when I'm born and why I feel the burden that I feel, but to also give me company, people mm. who are touch points of grace. So that's part of what I mean by tangible grace. I can touch people mm. who are the manifest grace of God to me, who say to me, you ain't crazy. What you, what you said was right. How you're processing this is correct. And even those who say, well, I wouldn't say it like that. I would pull this back. I would consider this. That has kept me from the mountain of bitterness. The other thing is my, my understanding of how the whole story ends. Jesus wins. And yes. to be on the right side of history is to be on the winning squad. So I don't have my, my hope is not in white evangelicalism. In fact, uh, colonial theology, the enlightenment, new divinity, not even the enlightenment, new divinity, Edwardsian, Jonathan Edwards, Edwardsian theology, the great revivals, Whitfield, all of them, you draw a line from Cotton Mather over, over in Great Britain over to, draw the uh, line. I'm sorry, Richard Baxter over to Cotton Mather, and you come down into Edwardsian theology, and you make your way down somewhere to Carl F.H. Henry and Billy Graham. Mm. The lines are there. You, you will see that the problem is not with evangelicalism per se. It's with the white part of evangelicalism. It, white evangelicalism is where the problem is. So my theology is, is a high view of scripture, a high view of Jesus Christ, which results in a resistance against systemic injustice 
And I know that historically, the white Protestant institutions in America have gotten this wrong. So I don't get bitter because I see them getting it wrong again. They have always gotten it wrong, quite frankly. And I say that as a hasty generalization, too. But by and large, any theology that could undergird or legalize racial hierarchy, that could transport millions of people without regard of their souls, that could think of a theological framework to dichotomize soul and spirit so that we they say we want to save your soul, but your body is is property. Any theology that does that needs to be questioned. Yeah. And, and, and it, yeah. So, so for me, the people who do that stuff now, who come, who cannot say black lives matter, mm-hmm. who cannot resist an apparent president who in my mind, isn't a Republican. I'm not a Republican. I'm, I, I would go on to say, I'm not a, a Democrat in that staunch sense. I do wholeheartedly align with a lot of democratic philosophy and principle. I'll just go out and say that, Correct. but, but, but any, <laughs> Any Christianity. Currently, they're the only sane option. Carry on. Let me say that with no disclaimers. <laughs> yeah. And, and, y'all, and y'all already know what time it is over here. So, <laughs> you know, so I, 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 God, God help me. Any, any theology that can then turn around and say that the Republican option is the only morally upstanding option for Christians sounds like Cotton Mather, Richard Baxter, Bull Connor to me. And, and so at that point, my hope is not in them. So I'm not bitter when they mess up or when they show us who they really, really are. Um, so I'm all right. I'm all right. I just, and, and I'll be honest with you too, to part of what we were saying earlier, there are more young people who are coming to see a Christian faith that is separate from white supremacy. Mm. There, there are more young people in America who are coming to see that the Bible was not written by white men for white men. You know, white people have written a lot of stuff, but the Bible ain't one of the pieces they have written. It just mm-hmm. that 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 this okay. Europeanized okay. faith that has been weaponized to hurt black and brown people is not biblical Christianity. That's going to be my you argument ain't Sunday. You ain't so so I'm all right. So, okay. So Pastor Charles, you said so much there and you're right that, Lord you know, the white people written a lot of things. They ain't write the Bible Ain't not nary one white person in the Bible because uh, <laughs> whiteness didn't exist back then. Hallelujah. Um, yes. But I'm wondering, you know, and let me also say this folks deconstructing their yeah. faith. You need to actually discover the faith. Yeah. That's you know, the faith itself. Yeah. Don't need to be dis- <laughs> dis- destructed. Yeah. Deconstructed. It needs to be discovered. Okay. You need to recover the brown church. You need to recover the black church. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, we're probably going to have an episode on that. But (laughs) (laughs) let me say this I actually think that the faith deconstructed is white man's religion. That's that's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's not because that deconstruction finds its roots in that kind of enlightenment thought oh absolutely it's a white project Mm -hmm. if if you want to say you know hey this this is my this is my admonition and encouragement to some of my black protestant liberal sisters and brothers who who want to suggest that i'm co-opted for having evangelical faith i could just go no i mean really that's wider than anything (laughs) i've ever known quite frankly 
Yeah. But I'll stop. I know his feelings. That's That's Wonder Bread right there. Empty calories. All right. Now, (laughs) Pastor Charlie, can you please talk to us about uh, what can be done? Okay. Uh What, how do we get to the art? So you're part of the Black Exodus. How can we get to the art? You know, you saw like what it ought to be, right? You know what it ain't. Yeah. But you saw what it ought to be when you were at the MLK 50. Um, what needs to happen for yeah. us to get to um, what it ought be? Because we know that the new age has broken in with right. Jesus Christ's ministry, death, resurrection. The new age is here, but yeah. it's not yet here in full. So yeah. what needs to happen in order for us to begin yeah. to really see? Um, dream, um, dream, dream a world for us. Yes. Okay. Dream a world. Yeah. Go ahead, Doc. No, no, I was just saying, mm-hmm. dream it up for us. And I, because I do think um, it, at the end of the day, it's God's, God's business. Um, but I do think it, it's helpful for people to know why, it, why it's a deal breaker for many. Yeah. Um, or, or why there are others who are still willing to continue to run, to stay run in. on, to yeah. stay in. Yeah. And, and they get my respect those who have run on it and have like Dr. Dwight McKissick gets my, (laughs) my highest (laughs) respect. (laughs) I fear that I don't have a good answer for you. I'm going to start nonetheless. (laughs) Um, Part of the problem in the way we do church in America is, is black money. We don't have the money. Mm -hmm. Here's what I mean. Talk about it. Um, we, during the pandemic, uh, we had already been broadcasting on live stream. It just had to get a lot better and on TV in Chicago, Yes, but yes. we needed to find a way to get to our seniors. Cause we're a church of five generations. And I, and I try not to cry. Honestly, when I think of this hmm. people who've given their lives to this ministry, but ain't seen a service in months cause they don't know how yeah. to. Yeah. And they don't own the technology. They don't know how to navigate it. So I'm saying our leadership, we need to go on the radio because because we can reach them that way. Yes. So we get on an AM station, rather conservative AM station, but we get on it nonetheless. And the biggest, the biggest FM radio station, which has the clearest signal in Chicago, Christian radio station, is owned by uh, a white evangelical institution. So they had actually asked us to consider coming on years ago. Mm-hmm. But we decided, you know, this would be the time to do it because our seniors and others could hear them. So what we do is, like any other church, we just send them the sermons. We're already preaching. We like we ain't coming up with nothing new. I I don't cuss like out loud a lot, but <laughs> I hear it in my head. And right now, I just heard a word in in my head, and it created a storm. <laughs> when one of our more milder expositions of James mm-hmm. on money oh, on the like, airwaves. Oh, they don't like they that. Don't like, oh, they, they don't like the whole book of James. Uh-uh. Man, <laughs> I got to I got to saying, you know, how how God isn't against wealth, but he is against oppressing others in the name of your wealth and your morality. And so yeah. I called out something that Mr. Trump had done and just some other things that are going on. Man, the backlash was powerful. So fast forward a few weeks, uh, sitting in my study and uh, with some high ups in the organization and and trying to give a lesson on why we got a black church in the first place. Right. And and black preaching and all of this. And it occurs to me when I leave the meeting, why do we still have to broker with them? 
to be across the airwaves. And part of it is money. We don't own our publishing houses. We don't own the radio stations. We don't own the TV stations. We don't own the the institutions. Mm -hmm. And the stuff we do own needs such a cash infusion to to hold the burden of people who cannot afford to be there that, that until we fix the money problem in my mind, and it's not all money, but until we fix the money problem, we're going to have a hard time talking about where we train women and men for ministry. Yes. How, how they even right. live. Right. So this is this is even right. how we got connected with the SBC. We wanted to start a residency program, but we didn't own, we didn't have enough money to buy the property to let residents live for free. And they had property that nobody had been living in in a very swank part of town. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like. Huh. So when I went to the president of the Progressive National Baptist Convention to ask him for help, I hate to tell you all what he said, but the reality is they just couldn't help. And so if until we're able to get our hands around money that is not then controlled by white patriarchy or matriarchy, even for that money, because they got money, too. um, And the influence there uh, does not tell us how to direct our own ship, then then we are still struggling. Now, I know people go there. There are trillions of dollars that pass through the African-American community. And that's true. But look at the hands by which and through which they pass. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to create a vision. And here you go. Me dreaming, Dr. Christina. We got to create a vision where some of our black athletes and black entertainers and black business owners start intentionally sowing money well, into black churches. Well, I want to be super clear in saying that. I agree. And and I don't mean like an occasional John D. Rockefeller. I'm just going to drop some money on you. No, I mean like tithing. In black churches, it would change the game. Sadly, some of those who do go to churches are black athletes, black entertainers, black business people. They're giving more money to white institutions and white churches than they are to black and brown institutions. Mm. I am going to be speaking to a group of NFL players next week. And they, they, one of the pieces that they They've asked me to talk about is apologetics. And I'm going to come right out and ask them to give money to Lisa Fields and the Jew three project. Because part of the challenge is if you want to be equipped and you want to learn, where do you go? And and who is freed up financially to be able to give their undivided attention to the subject matters that equip and train us. So if I'm dreaming, I'm saying, um, yeah, let's see these, these entertainers and rappers and business people, see the black church as the best investment for where they can put dollars. That then creates what I think are more relevant networks. And what I mean by more relevant network is this. It's a more of a quilt approach, Dr. K. Edward Copeland would say. So you got, uh, you know, what we're doing here in Chicago, what what Ralph West is doing uh, mm-hmm. through IC3 in Houston. You, you got what Brian Carter's doing with E.K. Bailey and Concord. You got what Truth Table is doing. You got what mm-hmm. Lisa Fields is doing down mm-hmm. In Jacksonville, you you have what Albert Tate is aiming to do uh, in Pasadena, and uh, there are just so many. What Philip Pointer is looking to do at Philander Smith down in Little Rock, and and all of these kind of pockets around the country that are doing, aiming to do really good work. What if we were able to come into partnership like a quilt, and it had a funding stream? 
So and this is where my focus is. So that young people in their 20s who want to be trained for ministry or serve the church in some yes. kind of way, we could just say, hey, what's your interest? Here's where you go. You go to L.A., you go to Philadelphia, you go to Chicago, you go to Arkansas, you go to Houston. And, and we're able to gather them like as they train, we're able to pull together these cohorts and gather them so that they could see who the emergent, brilliant servant Amen. leaders are. And and then in their generation, hopefully they could take it from something more than a quilt um, to something that is more organized and powerful in that regard. I say that to say this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Part of what the Black denominations did was before the internet, it created a vision for Black pastors of what could be. Because you came together once a year for Congress or for a convention meeting, and you got to get exposed to best practices around the country and who was doing what. It also strengthened in a therapy kind of sense, Black Christian leaders. And I don't, not just pastors, but Sunday school workers, Sunday school superintendents and deacons and all of that, because you got to get in a room and say, now, how are y'all handling this? I thought I was about to lose my mind at, at our church in this situation. And you get to hear that other people are traversing through the same trauma in one sense that you are currently going through. So, so some of those principles. Oh, and then you got a chance uh, to build a network for where you go preach, who you eat with. How, whose family is connecting with who, who's going on vacation with who. Those are basic fundamental needs that have never changed that I'm not sure our denominations meet anymore. But I think this mm -hmm. kind of quilt approach brings younger people and, and, been, and blesses the leadership of the church by bringing them into proximity with, with people who are doing it really well and then with their peers who are aiming to do it really well. So I don't know how mm -hmm. clear that is, Dr. Christina, but but I, I see something that's bent more toward young people and training young people. And then that that builds the church through that. But it, it needs the money. And quite frankly, Jesus is not a capitalist. So capitalism mm -hmm. has benefited from racism in America. I'm, I'm not anti-capitalism. I'm not, not anti-healthy cap capitalism, a redeemed capitalism. I just want to go on, on record and saying that. But when it's been affected by racism, all the change in the purse flows in the direction of certain people groups who then have the power and they think they're special that they did something right because they got the coffers. And the reality is that's, that's, that's not right. And so then there are people who hear that. And I mean, I've been called everything Marxist, cultural Marxist. Uh, I mean, you name it, it just uh, all of that. But you know, until we, know. until we fix that, that money problem, it's going yeah. to be hard to fuel the imagination that that I feel like I have and, mm. and that many of us have for that matter. Yeah. Well, you know, much pay, much say. Mm. And there's there's so much about the ways in which people use money to silence other people. Um, and just and I think the liberty control. that we have. Yeah, and control and the liberty that we have when when, when we don't, when we're not connected and when we're not, when our dependency is not looped in that way. And sometimes, quite frankly, we can't avoid it, um, which is why I think that there has to be levels of just, just humility and grace about that. Sometimes we're just entangled in system. We're in America right now. Yeah. We are caught up in a yeah. system <laughs> of, yeah. of those shenanigans that you described. Um, but yet and still, there is so much freedom that we have when we're not, 
we're not in fear of lack of resources because then we can say what we need to say to all groups, yeah. to all people, right? Absolutely. Um, we can say the truth uh, flat-footed in, in different spaces and not really have to be thinking about what if they what if they pull the budget, you know? Yep. Um, and, and, yep. and nevertheless, some of us may be in places where they're going to pull the budget and it is what it is. We, yeah. we'll, just, we'll just be experiencing what yeah. many people have experienced before. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, but, but thank you so much, so much for your time, Pastor no, Charlie. Listen, listen. Yeah. And I, got, I appreciate y'all because I got so much more to say. I just had this thought real fast. What if Dr. King didn't have Harry Belafonte? I mean, you come on, come that kind of come like, on. Deo, deo. Hey, Harry. That, that, come on, Harry. You, you, you was ready to do that. Oh, you just yeah. wanted to do that. <laughs> that, that. That funded so much of his work. Oh, yeah. And then it sent his kids to college yeah. Yeah. after he was gone. It, yeah. it took care of Coretta. Hmm. But, but if all of our Black people with means funnel it in the white institutions or just in their own, spend it on themselves, we, we in trouble. So as you can tell, I'm stuck. But thank y'all for that for giving me, <laughs> giving me this time no, uh, with you today. But yeah, that. exactly. But no, but your glory dream is truly glorious, you know, mm. and I, I do yeah. think that there's ways that we can partner together to bring some of this to pass, you know, yeah. um, even if that means us convening, you know, together to strategize and come up and brainstorm, you know, yeah. um, how to do these yes. things. Some of these things can be done. Yes. You know, when you start moving, the Lord will just come and provide and he yes. will, you know, yes. he, he will come alongside yeah. us, you know, so. Well, you just beautiful. answered a prayer right now because mm -hmm. my question to you all was going to be, you know, thank you for asking what I dream. I wonder what you dream. And, and, <laughs> oh, this is, and oh, I, this is Charlie's table now. I want to, I want to be <laughs> encouraged because, so when you say let's come together and dream together. Yeah. That needs to happen like post haste, like two years ago for sure, at least for me. So when we get off of this and we we done recording, yeah. let's schedule a time because I'm being asked and I'm meeting with people who are saying, "What are you thinking?" And it's not informed by what Akimini has to say. Mm -hmm. It's sensitive, mm -hmm. but it's not informed. And I would love to say, "What what is what is Akimini and Christina? What are, what what do they think the answer it. to this is?" I love it. I love it. I love it, Pastor Charlie. Let's do that. Let's Amen. definitely do that. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for that. Thank you. Well, uh, first of all, uh, since the temple, you just got this is this is how we do. <laughs> this is how we do. Y'all know we be letting y'all into our group chat. Literally, we just let you into a group chat with me, uh, Pastor Charlie, and C. So you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Charlie, for coming to sit at the table with yeah. us. And maybe our listeners can dream with us as well. Yes. I'm so curious about all these yes. sharp and capable minds that yes. listen to Truth's Table, what they might add to yes. that story and that narrative. Yes, <laughs> yes. So yes, this is the invitation to y'all. Okay, so so first of all, we want to thank y'all for sitting at the table with us this week. Um, please, let's keep the conversation going. Please dream with us, okay? Tweet us your thoughts about uh, the Black Exodus from the S. Uh, SBC with Dr. Charlie Edward Dates and talk to us just about your own glory dreams, just based off of where we were just dreaming together just now. You can use the hashtag Truth Table. And of course, Black women, I, we, you know, I don't know if y'all know, but we have a Facebook group now that is dedicated, okay, to Black women's discipleship. It's a Black women's discipleship group on Facebook, okay? So we want y'all to join. Make sure to follow Truth Table on Facebook, and so that we can join the group, invite your homegirls, um, and 
Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram too, because we'll be on there too. Follow us at Truth Table or email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account so y'all can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash truthstable or you can send your love offerings to paypal.me slash truthstable. Truthstable is made possible in part by Pottery Studios. Visit Pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York. And we have been your hosts, Akemini, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.